pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. It's been a little while since we last recorded, but uh, we're back. The death lineup. We're going to talk some Warriors basketball. We're going to talk the All-Star break. We're going to talk a little bit about Ethan Strauss's party that we attended. Uh, but first off, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I'm <laughs> not, not, feeling, not feeling on top of the world in terms of health-wise. Feeling a little sick, but other than that, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, all right, so uh, I want to make mention again, we have a Discord server for Bay Area Sports Talk. Uh, if you want to go to the Twitter account, BSPN Shows, there is uh, a pinned tweet there that, that gives you a link. Uh, or you can always shoot me an email, gg at bspnmedia.com, and I can send you an invite. There's not too many people in there yet. I'm going to be actively searching for people on Twitter to to come through. So uh, be aware you, you may get a you may get a DM from me uh, about coming through and, and joining. All right. So before we, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about Ethan's party first because uh, it happened last week, uh, last Wednesday, and if I if we don't talk about it now, I'm going to forget about it. But we got to meet Ethan Strauss at his uh, his little Substack party. Who was the guy that that the party cre- he he's actually the true party creator? Jesse Signal. Yeah, Jesse Signal. He's got a Substack or of his own. Signal or single, something like that. But uh, what? So what did you think about meeting Ethan? Like, I mean, not that you know Ethan's not a big time guy or anything, but he is a journalist and an active writer and somebody who's whose work you read but uh yeah we we got to meet him i thought it was cool i feel like it's it's weird you know listening to these podcasts for the past i don't know how long i've been heavily listening to all these podcasts but not seeing a picture of them and then putting the voice to the face and it's like not matching (laughs) (laughs) so you didn't even know what ethan looked like i had no clue what he looked like interesting yeah um but yeah he's uh He's like definitely like a, I like I, I like listening to Ethan and reading Ethan because I feel like he challenges my viewpoint sometimes and it mm-hmm. makes me want to like kind of rethink things and maybe bring up a counterpoint to what he counters me with and I you know stuff like that so um, I think yeah the highlight of the night 
honestly was was uh was taking a shot with uh <laughs> with with a New York Times journalist in the Atlantic who was written for the New York Times and the Atlantic. Um I'm not co-signing Jesse Signal's opinions because I know he's been in maybe in the media for other maybe I'm not necessarily saying I agree with him. I just think the idea of of taking a shot with a, a guy who wrote for the New York Times and the Atlantic is is pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, that's why having Ben Cruz with us is what was very valuable because he knew Ethan. And if more people like I feel like Ethan didn't really advertise it very well, but if like more media people came through, you know, Marcus or Tim or even the light years guys, then, you know, it, it would having been there would it would have been the the uh, conduit towards those conversations. But like we we got there immediately. Beth, Ben and, and Ethan see each other. Boom, we're talking. And, you know, we got to hang. We got to talk to him for a good 20, 30 minutes. So that was cool. I, I just wish that there were more sports people there. And maybe next time Ethan uh, does something like that, he'll do it. You know, I would I, I would definitely help him uh, if, if he if he needed help on something like that, because I've done big time planning, party planning in previous jobs. So. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the last time we potted. Ben Cruz was with us, and we were just, you know, GP2 is back. Unfortunately, James Wiseman is gone. GP2 is not really back. GP2 is on the shelf, and he may not get back until very late in the season. So prior to us uh, having the you know the GP2 Wiseman conversation, it was on the basis of like, yeah, GP2 is playing, but now what do you feel about that trade after the Warriors either got bamboozled or they knew what they were getting and they just needed to get off the Wiseman contract and they're kind of fibbing about what they knew about GP's injury. Oh, that's interesting. Um I think I'm going to lean towards they got a little swindled just because I know I know I probably have a higher opinion on Wiseman than most. But also, like, you make that trade because you realize that you need to give this season a shot. Unlike trying to compete and trying to contend, you owe it to the you owe it to the veterans. You owe it to Steph, Clay and Draymond. And the guy you bring back is literally like what they want, a guy they've played with, a guy they really like and a guy who's good but he might not be available to like the playoffs. Like we don't know. He's getting reevaluated in like a month or something like that. But I think you're swindled in the sense of like, you needed someone who can come help right now. You needed someone who can fit into the offense and contribute right now. But GP two might not be able to contribute all year. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Wiseman already wasn't contributing, but I don't know. I've, I feel like I've changed my tune a little bit the last couple of days. Okay. So we do have one game of Wiseman in Detroit. He sort of, if, I mean, it felt exactly how Wiseman in Golden State happened, except, you know, he was allowed to stay on the court. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, he didn't have to be moved off quickly to bring in somebody else because all of a sudden the Warriors were were, were losing. In Detroit, they, they want to win games, but he's not going to be pulled off the court because all of a sudden he comes in and they're a minus five in, in two minutes with him playing. Yeah, um, and then that's kind of what happened, right, in the first Detroit game. He goes in, they go down a little bit. You it's it, you see a lot of the same stuff you saw with the Warriors, but I still feel like a lot of the same stuff you saw with the Warriors was potential, was you know, scoring 30 points in Brooklyn, although that was a throwaway game. Like I don't think that many people are able to just kind of score 30 like that. But 
But, you know, Wiseman, I think he's got something to prove for himself, prove to himself that he could, like, score and that he's meant to be there. And I think that's why you see sometimes in his offense that he gets the ball and you know damn well he's not passing it. So I think he's got to get a little bit of that out of the way and then start playing, like, some team basketball to to stick around long-term because... You see the talent, but I think he's like, no one's going to want to pass it. Ty Jerome never passed it to him. He knew he, was, he wasn't getting the ball back. Yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about this because you, you think about where the NBA is going, and it was su- not surprising, but it was a little bit of a change in philosophy when they drafted him, right? Because they they the reason they won titles is because they either had a big man like Bogut, who was the ultimate team player and who just sacrificed all of his offense for defense. Or they just said, forget the center position. We're just going small. Like, we don't even need it. So drafting Wiseman was a strategic change for them, a philosophy change for them. Yeah. And I wonder if Wiseman became... I wonder if they thought Wiseman could be a big and just play four out with one big man and that he had the talent to, you know, kind of be a little bit of a, uh, of a point center in a sense to, he gets the ball, you know, he, if he, if no double is there, then he makes a move. If, you know, if the defense is running around, then he, 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 he's the guy who makes the play. And if you watch him play, the second he gets the ball, his head goes down. So you know that he's not actively looking for that. So it just seemed like the I just you know you hindsight is twenty twenty obviously, but coming off of nineteen and drafting him, and making that decision to sort of change philosophy about what your team is, I wonder, even though Joe Lacob probably feels that James Wiseman is still talented, I wonder if they would go back if you were. Being, if they were being honest in the, and changed that pick, just they're, they're from taking, the philosophy they're taking Halliburton. They're taking Halliburton. If you if you know what you know now, and you get to go back and redo that pick, you are drafting Tyrese Halliburton or Lamelo, one of the two. But you know, Lakeup thought that Wiseman was Embiid. Wrong. He's not. Can he be Carl Anthony Towns? Probably not. Can he be like DeAndre Ayton or what that guy brings on a scoring level? I think so. I think that's still in the realm of possibility because I'm a little lower on DeAndre Ayton to begin with. The guy's not an all-star, so I think he can become that. And we'll see. Time will tell. But do you think that they would ever go go that route again? Like, let's say a big man becomes available like a DeAndre Ayton. Do the Warriors go, oh, we we want to target this guy who can switch who who maybe is not going to get too many rebounds, but he, you know he can actively play defense. Or do they just go? You know what? This is just not our philosophy. This is never going to work with Steph Curry until he's done playing. Um, I think okay. So if they went back into that draft with that philosophy of, I just I just don't. I think if they were given the opportunity to do it again and say next year or two years, you know Steph Clay and Draymond are on the way out, so they could technically do it now. But if you had the option in the Wiseman class. I wish I had this on record. I know it's going to sound like BS now that I'm saying it now. I initially wanted to trade down for an Onyeko Okongwu. I thought that he was like the smart pick and, you know, he was at least certified going to at least be good. Um, And looking back at that, obviously, he's like just a younger athletic loony, right? So he would have just been perfect. But um, 
Yeah, I think if you go back to that specific draft, they don't switch up. They 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 don't do the swing for the fences pick. They don't yes do the philosophy changing swing for the fences pick. I think if you give them the opportunity to do it again in a year or two, they might try it again because we might have a new wave of Golden State Warrior players coming in anyway. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think about Bob Myers's? disposition his comments on the gp2 thing he seemed i i i didn't feel like he was i don't i don't want to say he's not telling truth because that is absolutely i'm not going to question anything Who, who knows about that but when when they made that pick we were just like oh so we're not worried about gp2's health he barely started playing again like we even mentioned it i think uh, on the show with ben so for them to go like yeah we had no idea you know portland did x y and z we need the league to get into this i don't know if i buy that 100 percent. like you had to know like the first thing you ask portland when you're doing this deal is i we need to see his medicals like we like he just came back like we need to see, you know, what's going on there. And I just don't buy that they that that, that they went, oh yeah. Portland's just like, yeah, he's good. And they're like, okay, let's make the deal. Like it just doesn't seem to work that way. So that's why I was questioning whether or not it was like maybe 75-25 that it was about getting out of under that deal. Uh, but I don't know. He just he just didn't seem confident. He seemed a little like flustered up there. I didn't sense that he was. Uh, like, I don't know. Like when GMs make these deals, you usually see like, they're just like, yes, this is going to help us win. And he was just up there going like, eh, it is what it is. We can't comment on it. Eh. And we were kind of joking about it at, at Ethan's, uh, Ethan's event about how he just kind of looked checked out. Right. Like that's kind of how he looked in that moment. And maybe it was because he feels the heat from, from being the guy who signs off on that deal. But I don't know. what do you think about Bob? That's a good point. I didn't even think about that because you're right. Like, yeah, most GMs, when they make a move and they get a player, you know, it's their name behind it. Basically, everyone knows that the GM made the trade uh, in different teams, different situations. But yeah, you're right. He didn't like sound super psyched about having GP2 back. But I mean, there was that moment Friday night, right? It was it last Friday against like the the Lakers or something where he came. He came and sat down next to Bob yeah. as if to show like, yeah, yeah. it's going to yeah. I'm they're going to pick me. I'm going to stay, you know, but you're right. Uh I wonder if like, you know, someone mentioned, and it's true, like the trade deadline, you're able to make trades this entire year. Yeah. <laughs> like there's not, is, there's not a window of like, okay, here's the trade deadline. You're only able to make trades the day before. And I feel like, I don't know, there's, there's, there's definitely, you know, some desperation tactics in there from, I feel like the Warriors were battling within, you know, the front office and the coaching staff, the front office is like, play this guy that, and like we want to keep Wiseman and the coaching staff is like, we can't play him. We need someone who's going to help win. The players are like, we can't play him. We need someone who's going to help us win. And I think Bob having to mediate that and then Bob maybe making like a desperation move, you know, to bring back GP2 at the last minute. It's like, you can't like, maybe you just didn't have time to worry about. It's, it sounds, it sounds very not Bob Myers like, cause you know, I'd, I'd like to think he's one of the smartest GMs, one yeah, of the most think, strategic GMs, but he's also one of the most thoughtful speakers when it comes to those guys right like he yeah he he's he seems like he's an honest man and he is thinking about what he's gonna say he's not just pitch man he's not just 
spewing out, you know, Joe Lakeup marketing ideas. He does seem like he is uh, someone who has his own thoughts. So that's why it was so interesting because I like, I don't expect him to be like a raw, raw guy. That's just not who he is. But after last year, you know, we were talking about this and when, when it came to Wiseman, you know, the worst thing for Wiseman was that the Warriors won the title because it solidified the the blueprint for how to do it again, which is up. Oh, it's just Draymond and Looney. Like uh, if Wiseman cannot do these things, then he cannot play in this lineup with these guys. So I also, I actually, I'm pulling back and saying, not only was it the worst thing for Wiseman, it was the worst thing for Lacob's uh, leverage as maybe the, the James Wiseman voice in the front office, right? Because if he's still like Wiseman's future, Wiseman's future, and then they go, we won this title without this guy. Like that just shows you how our philosophy in basketball does not work with what he's good at. And then you can even go further and say, you know, winning that title last year kind of solidified Bob Myers's style. So maybe he's coming into this thing going like, you know, all this stuff that, that, that we collectively, but you know, but me, you know, leading, won a title and maybe I need a little bit more, you know, a little bit more pats on the back, a little bit more money here because nobody expected us to do it. And, and so it's kind of interesting the way that thing works. And, you know, Bill Simmons always talks about Pat Riley's uh, quote about the disease of more, like when you win a title and, and this is how I remember him. I don't remember where I read it multiple places, but after the Lakers won a title, He's like, not only is Magic and Kareem and James Worthy doing commercials, but like the ninth guy on the bench now has a commercial. And so he thinks that he's made it. And and so he you come into the next season and these guys think that that, you know, they're the they're the badasses around town. And and how do you get them to come back and and play like they're still the ninth man and and great and grind on that? So that is also something to think about that I don't think we necessarily thought about at the beginning of the season is, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's some folks who, who made the success that is not just Steph and Draymond and Clay because those guys solidified their core as Hall of Famers. They were probably Hall of Famers before, but that was like the icing on the cake. But what about Steve Kerr? What about Bob Myers? What about Lakeup? Like, how does the success change the way that those three guys look at things? Who, who the, it does does Kerr ride out ride out uh, in the sunset with Steph? Like, is that it? Would that be it for him, or is he interested in like trying to coach young players? Because that that uh, twenty uh, that twenty twenty season, he didn't seem like he was that happy coaching yeah. that team. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like he should. I feel like there's just like there's talk of you know. Those Warriors championships with KD didn't count because they were a super team. Those allegations, like Steve Kerr has some of his own of being handed a team that was ready for champ- the championship and he goes and coaches them and wins four. Although I don't necessarily buy that. I think Steve Kerr definitely helped a lot. But yeah, I think if he wanted to, you know, change up the narrative a little bit, he should stay. He should he should see how these guys play. I wanted to say, though, for Bob Myers that. I mean, he kind of did hit it out of the park again with, although we're not good, but like the idea of what Dante, Dante DiVincenzo is like, 
he's been awesome. That guy's not going to resign. Like what you were able to do with the two-way guys, I'd like to see the two-way minutes of the entire year for all teams. I'm sure Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome are probably at the top there. Like they shouldn't have to be, you know, I, I think Bob Myers, although we are, the team is not doing that well. I think he did have a, a lot of great offseason signings. Maybe you could uh, make fun of or, or, push back on the Jermichael Green one. But other than that, like all of them have been great. It's really just the guys who are on the multi-year deals that are, feels like, you know, can't, aren't uh, you playing know, the ultimately, best. you know, what it is, is it's those, it's those three rookies and not, not, not the three, the, the three young players. Now it's the two young players. Right. And I'm not, I'm not including Baldwin and Ryan Rollins in that. It is the Kaminga Moody Wiseman trio. Now, as a trio, Kaminga's probably slightly, better moody is way down and wiseman was also down from what they expected so trying to put those three in in lineups that worked for them you know that that changes what the other guy like steph clay and dre they're probably just like quit messing with this stuff because like you know every we're having to play with the new you know new lineup but on the other side, it's like, no, we have to figure out a way to get these three guys to the best of their ability. So that's really what the, t- the whole two timeline thing has become. It's not what it was, what it was last year. It is how do you mix these guys so that they are good on the court and they don't screw up what the vets are doing? And, you know, I think we saw we're starting to see now that even even the vet lineup that that st- that starting five. Uh, is not doing as well. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think this season was also hinging on Jordan Poole. And and we talked about this in the offseason. Now Jordan Poole has a target on his back, right? Now other teams are like, if we can stop Jordan or if we can get him into this harried offense where he goes for himself, and he's not passing to Clay, and he's not passing to Steph, and he's not passing, you know, to to Draymond and letting Draymond run the show. Maybe that's the way to beat the Warriors: is let Jordan Poole get his, and and that that's our best way to beat him. And not to say that that's happening every game, but you know, we we know the games that that the Warriors are sort of disappointing in the fourth quarter. It's the games where it's like Jordan's turning the ball over and he doesn't know what to do and. He's like shooting crazy shots. Like that is part of these fourth quarter collapses for sure. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. 
Yeah, I think Marcus Thompson on plus minus said something that I definitely agree with is that this is a team that plays like they are coming off of a championship and they're like but they're have like the wins that the Boston Celtics do. You know, they're not playing like a 500 team and they're in the sense of Jordan's taking 40 footers yeah. with 24 seconds on the shot clock. You know, they, they just have this swagger to them that they are like these reigning champs, the top team, and they're not. And I don't know what, what needs to change, but I do think that was kind of targeted at Jordan a little bit. And while I don't think this entire thing is his fault, I think like, I think some of the things they're lacking on, which is, you know, I had the stats up right here, but I think they're like, I want to say they're like uh second to last or last in uh no sorry they have like the they foul the most they turn the ball over the most and they shoot the free throws the least you know it's it's either their 30th or 29th in all three of those categories they foul the most they turn the ball over the most and they shoot the least amount of free throws you know i think and i think you know when you look at the shooting uh the free throws the least like to me that's the, okay we need people to 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 dive to the rim and and shoot more shots at the rim because they take the most three pointers in the league as well like they're top 3 in that so you need more people to diversify your offense and and shoot more shots in the paint and jordan provides that and i think he does a good job of that in the fourth quarter specifically like he he, he attempts that more but i i think for me with jordan it's like does the offense is the offense good enough or does the offense make up for the lack of defense for the minus defense that he is? And sometimes I don't think so. So I think that's been a frustrating part. And I mean, I keep saying it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put together a highlight clip of not a highlight, a low light clip of this because I just don't even know where to start, but I swear it's almost every game where there's a play where Jordan goes to the rim, makes a shot and he foul and he falls and he's slow to get up. And he's also talking with the ref and it's a four on five and they easily get a bucket on the other end. Yeah. It's just like, that just happens once or twice every game. And I don't understand how he's not getting chewed out about that stuff to not let that happen because Pro- that's probably thing. because Kerr... he got punched in the face in the off season. Well, well some of that, so, something like that, but also Kerr probably knows like if I chew him out, Publicly. He's going to get all sad. And... Yeah, it's 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 just the way that that he. Oh my god. Well, well, but that's but that's coaching, right? And that's why Kerr has been really good, is because he understands how to communicate to each person. He knows that he can get in Draymond's face because Draymond wants to be accountable, and he knows that Draymond's going to yell back at him, and he knows that he has to be able to take that right. He knows that KD w- w- was kind of sensitive and didn't really. You know, Katie just wants to play and he doesn't really want to hear any inspirational speeches. And he probably knows that he just has to let Steph be Steph. And all of those things are treating those three guys differently. How do you have to treat Poole so that he can play? How do you have to treat Ty Jerome? This is 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 communicating with Ty Jerome about, you know, dude, you're 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 the underdog. You got to do X, Y, like, like that's why that's why coaching is important. It, this is not the Marines, right? You don't treat everyone exactly the same. You're not a drill sergeant where everyone has to do the exact same thing because everyone's personalities are different. And you know, you learn that from from coaching, even with little kids. You know, in in uh, coaching little league or coaching basketball or whatever, you have to treat each child differently because they receive information differently. And maybe Kerr has to figure that out with pool to an extent. How do I communicate with this guy to where he gets it? What drives him to 
succeed was giving him this giant deal before the season the best thing for him maybe not but then you don't do it and you probably lose him because he probably wants to go get the keys to another team right so good thing he's a restricted free agent things, all of those things are involved in, in the yeah. whole thing so yeah i know i feel like we can go down the roster and make complaints about everybody but pools definitely stand out to me at least defensively one of the worst defensive players i've, I've seen um but yeah, I mean, even Wiggins slow, slows. He's been slowing down. He finally has a good game against the Wizards, and then he doesn't play against the Clippers. I just watched that game actually b- before this podcast. I've been slacking on watching all the Warrior games, um, but I'm up. I'm up to speed. And Anthony Lamb had a really nice pass in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we give Anthony Lamb a lot of crap. Well, he's he's the target. He's the target for everything. And he's like, he's like. I can't even blame him sometimes. I'm just watching him like, ah, thank you for giving energy and hustle. Thank you for doing the dirty work. Thank you for boxing someone out. Like it's, mo- it's mostly this. offensively though, because the complaint about him is, is he's the slow. He's the guy that when, when the ball ends up with the shot, it's his man. That's always rotating that he's not getting to like, that's mm. the, that, that, that's the, I, I, and, and you know, I, I'm looking for that more now because people are saying that, but yeah, it's his closeouts that are a little slow, which kind of makes it. sense because he's a tweener, right? He's a tweener who's not quick. Like Draymond is a tweener, but Draymond is quick and Draymond can read everything. So, uh, by the way, Draymond's podcast with Jalen Rose. Did you hear it? Mm-mm. Okay, I don't I don't, I don't I don't subscribe to Draymond shows. But when I saw that Jalen was on it, I had to subscribe it. it I think you I think you'll like it. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, all right, let's talk about the All-Star Game stuff. You know what? Before we talk about the All-Star Game, Steph's injury. I don't think we really talked too much about Steph's injury, but we did get a little bit of a timetable. And it sounds like uh, you know he's going to be out for a little while longer, probably not coming back in this current stretch of games. I don't know if it's going to be another two weeks or another three weeks, but when he was talking about the injury, uh, he hadn't even really been able to get on the court yet. So... Uh, this is, you know, the knee thing. And the longer he's out, the longer the current roster is going to be able to get into that shape that they need. Because everyone talks about the turning it on and turning it off. I think the true turning it on for the Warriors is figuring out their playoff rotation now and having guys achieve or having guys understand their roles in these last 24 games or whatever it is to set up whatever the playoffs are going to be because they're not that far out of three or four. And we've been saying that all season, but they can't, they, you know, they give up so many games to get back to 500. It's almost like, you know, this is like a, a, someone's writing this on paper and it's, and it's like pro wrestling or something, just the way that they they'll win three. And we're like, okay, finally they're out of this, 500 mode and then they just lose three in a row to get back to 500 it's crazy how it's been happening but that to me that's the the that's what turning it on is is getting everybody back wiggins fight like you said wiggins finally found himself and then he didn't play the next game i don't think we even know Mm -hmm. why he didn't play the next game right like it just said personal something like who knows what that reason was um but the longer Steph is out, the longer it's going to be able to take them to get into that. Like, okay, let's let's create whatever our playoff rotation is now. We we got to put it together, and 
you know, GP not being there will 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 hurt that as well. So that that's I think what the big thing with Steph is. I think they can probably play similar to the 500 ball when when he's gone, but they're not going to be able to dial it up with him gone for sure. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's 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 fair. Do you think they're gonna? Um, actually, I'll, I'll I'll look at the standings right now. So they are currently ninth in the West, 529-29. They're half a game out of seventh. They're a game out of sixth. They're two games out of fifth. You know, they're it's like they are within. It's so it's so doable. Three and a half games out of third. It's just yeah. I mean, we keep saying it every week. I keep saying it every week. Like. Uh, you know, I'd love to be optimistic about this team and say, like, oh, look how easy it is to get into, like, third place. You're only three games out of there, but they haven't proven yet that they can put together a string of games that, that look promising, at least. You know, they'll win one, and I get all excited, but then I have to go back and be like, oh, wait, they only won by, like, three. Yeah. You know, it's just... Do you think they're going to go for anyone in the buyout market? I have, that, was, I have... I, that, that was another question I was going to ask you. Kevin Love signed with the Heat. I think that everyone knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Who else is getting bought out? Like there were a couple players that I was hitting you and Ben up about. I was like, oh, what if Pat Beverly gets bought out? Pat Beverly or Ty Jerome? And you both were like, nope, Ty Jerome. And then who was the other one uh, that I hit you up against? Was it Tom? Um, uh, Stanley Jeff? Stanley? Re- Stanley Johnson? Stanley Johnson. Versus if you go back in this podcast, Lamb. there was a point where there was like these four players that came in to work out with the Warriors. It was like... Michael, ben uh, Ben Macklemore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the beginning of the year, like Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, there was like there was like four guys. I don't think Stanley Johnson was a part of that because I think he was on the Utah Jazz. But I know in I I think it was in that episode of prior. I was like, can we get Stanley Johnson on this team? Like, I would be really intrigued on what Stanley Johnson would look like. But here, I put together this. Um, we did a podcast on the Bam, and I put together likely the possible buyouts. So Westbrook. John Wall, Patrick Beverly, Dario Saric, probably not. Seth Curry, question mark, so probably not. Corey Joseph, Goran Dragic, Thaddeus Young, DeAndre Jordan, Derek Rose, Will Barton, Nerlens Noel, Serge Ibaka, Stanley Johnson. Do any of those, the, to me, like, not really. Thaddeus Young is Thaddeus kind Young, of interesting. He's kind of Jermichael Green, though. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, and then I put, so already bought out and signed Danny Green with the Cavs, Reggie Jackson with the Nuggets, Terrence Ross with the Suns, Goga Batatste with the Magic, uh, Dwayne Dedman with the 76ers, Justin Holiday, who I thought would have been really interesting with the Warriors because he was on the 2015 team. Mm-hmm. You know, potentially what Anthony Lamb does may be better, um, but he went to the Mavericks and then Kevin Love with the Heat. There's no 100% surefire ones in that There's list. There's not. And if there's not, then I don't see them doing it, you know, because if they put on that 15th guy, like, what is it multiplied by seven? You know, you give a vet men contract to two or three million that turns into 14 or 21 million. Like, we'll like a pull the trigger on on that. I think Stanley Johnson is brings better point of attack defense and better team defense than what Anthony Lamb has right now. But I think the three pointer is a question mark because, you know, I think I think he's actually shooting like 40 percent from three right now, but it's only on like one point five attempts or something. Yeah. He's normally like a 31 guy, 31%. And if you wait until the end of the season to sign Anthony Lamb, then you save a lot of money because you only got to sign him at like right before the end of the season, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Where's Iguodala? Okay, so that, that was going to be my next question. Is <laughs> Andre, that's, that's somebody who should be a plus if he's healthy, 
But the fact that he's not healthy and we don't know anything like this is this is like Wiggins going on his uh, personal taking a personal day. We don't know anything about Andre, and, and I'm not I'm not saying Wiggins didn't need it. I, I'm saying we don't know. It could have been some family related, whatever. I, I'm not saying that I don't believe he needed the day off. I'm just saying we don't know as as fans. We don't know what's up with Andre on the what was it the three weeks ago on the podcast. He said. This one's not going to take long. I'm going to be fine. It, I, I, it, sh- it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And we haven't seen him since. And he hasn't, he hasn't talked about it since. Though I haven't, I haven't listened to the last. Uh, I don't think they did a podcast this week, but I didn't listen to the last one. You know, people said that he was in like the potential Udonis Haslam role. And I scoffed at them because I think Udonis Haslam like can't touch the floor and like shouldn't play at all. He's legitimately just a player coach and sometimes plays, but I think it's all minus minutes. Iguodala. Like, I think he still has plus minutes in him. And he showed that a little bit. But, man, like, he really is turning into that Udonis Haslam type of spot on the on, on the roster where he's just, like, legitimately just like a player coach right now. And obviously, we don't know enough about the injury. But, man, like, he's pl- played three games this entire season. Last year, played, like, maybe 18. So, before the season started, I mentioned, I said, you know, they should just let Andre do what he wants and have him come back after the All-Star break. We're right after the All-Star break now, so he's going to play. This yeah. would be a good time. And the fact that we haven't heard anything, I guess, is probably good because he's, you know, he, he's trying to get his body right. I just worry that all the work that he's doing to get his body right, it's just going to lead to another injury. And that's yeah. what you can't predict because it is so unfortunate because this dude is so smart. He's such a good teammate. He's everything that they actually need, and it's just his body's failing him. Um, what I will say about the Iguodala injury, though, is that JJ, when we went to the Warriors versus Pistons game, JJ pointed out he was like, "Hey, look, like Andre's in the tunnel in a warm-up suit, like he's he's yeah. like kind of geared up, and then he doesn't play, and he comes back out to the bench with with this." fully uh regular fully clothes suited yeah. up regular clothes street clothes and you know three games later he starts playing again like we didn't really get that update with yeah. when he started playing initially like maybe a game or two before he started playing but so that's that's i guess a little bit of i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but we probably won't hear until like a game or two before he's back but he's got to put it on the pod right like that's the reason that he's gotta... true, true that's the point of the pod <laughs> he's supposed to be the woge of himself <laughs> um the real well, so just quickly to go back to the Draymond and Jalen. The reason why I want you to hear it is because we've had this conversation about what the new media is, and Jalen gives a really good explanation of the new media. He like he explained it better than Draymond explained it. So you should listen to that. All right. All-star game weekend. That game yesterday was a bit of a travesty. Yeah. Is it the worst all-star game they've ever had? There's some I don't bad know about ones ever, so but I've like since they've done the new format, like since I've been heavily paying attention, that was definitely like the worst one. Yeah. And we might have been biased last year because last year was bad too in terms yeah. of like competitiveness, but we got to see Steph hit 16 three pointers. Yeah. And I think that was, I'd, I'd, I'd hope for the everyday fan, like who's not a Warriors fan, like that was entertaining because that I thought that was, that's what made that all star game like at least watchable. Boston fans are probably. Not too bothered with last night's All-Star game. I thought that that was like, I thought Tatum's performance, like I, I appreciate that he was putting out effort and stuff, but I thought it was like, like it's not even that entertaining the way you're scoring. Like 
he played 39 minutes. Missoula was his coach, <laughs> kept him out for the entire, kept him in for the entire second half. What? Like it was Why? Shameless chasing for that trophy because it's a Kobe Bryant trophy and that's his idol. I respect it, but it's like, damn, that's shameless as hell. Like, hey man, that's for the All Star game. 39 minutes. You know, like there's a point in the All Star game you could tell with the players, like, okay, I'll let you cook. You gotta let me cook, though. Like, yeah, you kind of switching off. Tatum was just like, hell no. Like I'm. Like, Luca was, was just, and, but but was Luca supposed to let everyone cook? I don't Jesus, know. Dude. I don't know. But yeah, Tatum was just taking like you know layups at points just to get the point number up. And I was yeah. just, I was just maybe it's already, I already have like a vendetta against Jason. Good Tatum branding for Jordan Jason. for Team Jordan though, because he got his, that was his first time wearing his new Tatum one. I mean, I will give it to him though. That the most entertaining part of the entire game was him versus Jalen Brown. That like one on one setup for like three possessions was probably the most entertaining part of the entire game. And when yeah. Donovan Mitchell was mic'd up, that was fun. That was fun. Jalen Brown looking like a Batman with that mask. The I, I was a little disappointed in the inside the NBA guys. I wanted the inside the, the NBA guys to treat the broadcast a little bit more like a broadcast and less like chilling on their couch Less like, like not their speaking, actual show, not speaking into the mic. Well, at least in their show, it's it's a they're at they're at a desk, and they're on TV, so they have to you know they have to look at the right camera and stuff. This was just oh, we're not going to be on TV for the most part, so we're just going to slouch in our chairs. We're just not going to pay attention half of the time, and you couldn't hear them for a lot of it. Which I so I was I was frustrated. I wasn't going to go back to Reggie Miller and the, and the play by play guy, but. I wanted more out of that broadcast. I think it would have made the experience better. But then again, maybe it was also just a dud game and they couldn't have done anything to save it. But I love those guys so much. It was more watchable than last year's. Yeah, in that that, that alternate broadcast. In the alternate broadcast, yeah. I mean, mean, they were messing up in the beginning when like Ernie was talking and introducing all the All-Stars and you can hear Shaq and... And Chuck like cracking up or like talking yeah, and yeah, they were talking like, this over is just it. bad. Like this is the beginning was bad, but I, I don't I when Shaq said Chuck was drunk, <laughs> I actually don't know. Like I could sympathize with Chuck feeling like I think there was a point in his audio where it was delaying yeah. and you could hear his own audio. And yeah. I could tell you from personal experience how that yeah. is the weirdest feeling of being able to hear yourself and it's delayed. I could see how he was like acting like uh like what do i say because it sounds so weird so it was uh the part of it was during the draft and i want to ask you about this draft before, uh, in a second but felix my my stepson your stepbrother he didn't understand why chuck was talking like that and i was like i i think it's because he's hearing echo like like you ever try and talk into a mic and then you can hear the echo it's, it's distorting and it's really hard so uh, so then Shaq started saying that he, he was drunk and that the sponsor was Patron and, and Chuck was like, uh, now I will say the way to handle that situation is to try and tune out your ears and just speak. It's kind of hard even hearing your own voice in your headphones. It's hard. It took, it took me a while to get used to that, but even just knowing that this is happening Chuck should have just spoke and not let it bother him. That's what he was supposed to do. But I'm sure he's just never had to deal with that or hasn't had to deal with that in a long Cause time. Because everything's so professional with yeah. and they don't mess up like that. For because yeah. for my podcast, like, you know, everyone's got earbuds in and there's four of us. And if someone has their earphone volume too high and I'm talking, 
I could hear myself from their earphones hitting their mic. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a delay and it yep. just drives me nuts and I can't like think or speak properly. So if that's happening to Chuck, <laughs> like I could totally see how he was, you know, for me, I'm able to deal with it more because it happens so often that I'm able to push through. But if it doesn't happen for him at all, like I totally get it. But he is so Chuck that he had to like have the face that made it look like something was wrong. And then he was speaking like something was wrong. And so when you're in that moment, you don't want to let the guy die, right? You don't like you're, you're, you know, Kenny or Shaq. So Shaq just started making fun of him, which is kind of what they do. So that was fun. And so you're kind of distracted away from what Chuck's problem was, which was his headphones and, and the mic. And so, uh, but the, when I saw Chuck doing that, I'm like, come on, TNT. Like how, how many, like you guys do all these broadcasts. Like how do you screw up on this one? Someone but it made for a classic moment, yeah, and that's like sure. so TNT of them, you yeah, know? for sure. But I, I could see like Chuck kept pointing at his head, like he kept doing this, and I was like, "Uh oh, something's wrong." And then he would like point, look to the side, and he kept doing this. But that's that's the problem with having a one shot thing, right? A wide shot. That's all they had. They didn't have this overproduced thing where in the studio, like if it's if if Shaq's having a problem with his headphones. They just cut to Chuck and Kenny and they say, okay, you guys got to talk for like three minutes while we fix Shaq's what's going on. And the audience doesn't even know. In this case, we we totally knew what it was. All right. What did you think about the way that they did that draft, though? That was one another highlight. That was awesome. You know, the hour of 430 to 530 between that, that whole that whole draft was, yeah, a top moment. So I liked it because you got to see Giannis's personality. Such a great personality. He's so funny. Some of it is a little bit of naiveness because uh, uh, he he's not even that young anymore. But we saw him when he was, you know, a, a really young guy. And he would say some stuff where you're like, are you really want to say that? You know, but it was all in fun. You know, he would. And talk. it's also English is his second language right. or maybe even right. his third. I don't know what else he speaks, but I know it's not his first language. So uh, just seeing his personality, he's such a good representative for the NBA. Uh, it would be interesting if he was playing in LA or playing in New York or playing in, you know, San Francisco to see how, if he could even be bigger than he currently is playing in Milwaukee. But, uh, him and LeBron was fun. Uh, when he picked John Morant, uh, when it wasn't turned to, to, to wasn't time to pick John Morant. I, I was wondering if he did that on purpose or if he did it on accident. I think he did it on accident, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because uh, it did set up a really funny moment. But what do you think, like, you know, Laurie Markinen and, and Jokic being the last that two guys hilarious. on the starters? LeBron was not picking Jokic. I no would 100% way. agree with he Draymond. Was, he was, he was totally not picking, picking Laurie yeah. but, but Okay, but if, you, if people who were watching sort of understood how it went, the second LeBron took Embiid, if you're yep. Giannis, you go, oh, I'm just, just going to pick Jokic last. He just took the one center. He doesn't but it, need that. Giannis has learned. Giannis has learned. In years past, he's like, okay, I guess it's time for me to take the center. Or, yeah. you know, like the centers get picked pretty quickly. But yeah, once one center gets picked, you could wait till the last pick to pick the other yeah. one. So uh, I just, I wish Steph was was there. That that was definitely a little bit of a downer for uh, for Warriors fans that know Steph because he's, he's a lot of fun in that game. Um. But uh, what about All Star Weekend? Did you did, were you able to watch all that stuff? Yeah, I saw everything. Uh, the Miz hitting the almost buzzer beater. <laughs> <laughs> I was like making food, and I heard everyone go nuts. I was like, "What?" Uh, and I saw the replay of that. But uh, the Rising Stars game—that's the was, only one I didn't watch. Was the Rising Stars? It was boring. 
I wanted Scoot Henderson to like cook, but I think like all the rookies and the sophomores were like kind of like we know who you are and we like yeah. want to make sure like you know that like you can't just come in and do all this stuff. It's like how Jordan and Pippen treated Kukoc in the in the yeah team. yeah exactly. <laughs> like I felt like that's how they they kind of handled Scoot, and I was like, damn, like respect, but I wanted to see Scoot cook. Um, so, so what else happened? Skills challenge sucks. They need to change the idea. You think of like the three point contest, Dame wins. It's like, okay, he's the best three point shooter in the yeah. league. He's not, but like, you know, he's like a top five three point shooter in the yeah, league. Yeah, he's like, like Steph, high volume, hard difficulty. He's not ever going to have the highest percentage because he yeah. takes hard shots. But you know, that's the point. Look, the three point contest, you find out who the best three point shooter is. The home run derby, you find out who the best home run hitter is. The dunk contest, you find out who the best dunker is. The skills challenge. Yeah, Laurie Market and Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton, you are the most skilled players in the NBA. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, they it was pretty, it was pretty silly. It was, I think it was a way to get more jazz players involved. I mean, no, they did it last year, too. It was the same idea. It was the Antetokounmpo's versus the rookies versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. When they I, did it, you know, uh, I, I used to like when they uh, did the stuff with the WNBA. I think they need to bring that stuff back. Uh, so, you know, you pair up WNBA with the NBA player and you do some sort of skills thing together. I think that mm -hmm. is, a, is a much better idea. I'm trying to remember what the what was that third thing? I think the third thing. So you, you remember in the skills challenge when they were doing the little uh, the game where you had to go to the different spots and shoot and get that wasn't points. the skills challenge. I know you're talking about the Tyrese Maxey and Scotty Barnes just missing the one foot away like. 10 times in a row. No, but whatever that that game was within that within uh, the All-Star night, what what did they actually call that? Oh, it's so when they shoot at different spots. Yeah. I don't know what they called it. Was that part of the skills challenge though? So it is, but do you remember last year they did some like break in between where you had to shoot these iconic shots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? We're like, okay, here's a spot where Kawhi hit that fadeaway against the Sixers, like right corner. That was a spot you had to hit. That wasn't the skills challenge, and whatever that was, I thought that was hilarious. Not necessarily because it could they couldn't they couldn't make it hilarious again. I just think Tyrese Maxey and Scotty Barnes together just missing the one footers was like was just goof. They, yeah, they are just goofball. Scotty Barnes is just a big old goofball, so I thought that was funny. They can't replicate that again, but I thought that was funny. So, so year. years ago, that that thing was an event in of itself, and they mm. would take they would take uh, a player from the city. And is it a, the a past WM present thing? Yeah, a WNBA player, and then they take like an OG from yeah. that team, and then they would do that as the the shooting challenge. So now we get the the dribbling and the passing. Do you have a, Do you have an idea or a solution? You say bring that back. That's what Max. Well, I think I think podcast. that's better. I think it's better to do that. But the problem is, is they have so many hours of content that they need to fill. But I think you could do um the well the 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 best one to do, which we, they will never do for the same reason one -on -one. that LeBron will never do yeah. the slam dunk contest is horse. Oh, horse. It's just do horse. I think they might, they might do, they can do horse. They, I was going to say, they'll never do the one-on-one -on -one King of the court stuff. Yeah. They'll if you, if you it. make horse non dunking, because you know, Mac McClung's like, okay, do this dunk. And they're like, no, I can't. <laughs> but if you do it where there's no dunking involved and it's just all trick shots or deep shots, I think that would be really good. I think it would be too, but I keep thinking like there's some weird pressure and stress that for some reason, some of the players like cannot That's like, what I'm get talking over. About. They don't want to like, get embarrassed. 
They don't, but they already, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's because, like, even like, don't get me wrong, like, a half court shot is hard. But do you remember, like, when Steph Curry was hitting all those half quarters at the buzzer? And so at the All Star game, they did this little thing where, like, if Steph Curry could hit this shot, it's like $400,000 to a charity. And he, like, whiffs it like four times in a row. It's like, you put that pressure of, like, the charity and, like, having to do it. And then, like, in front of everyone, like, Steph Curry's been on the biggest stages of all biggest stages. Like, he's not going to be worried at all. But when it's just him on the court, with all the eyes around him, like everybody that I've seen, like 99% of the guys like just can't do it. And so I'm wondering like if horse would kind of be like that, where it's like, okay, you get the trick shot guys, you get the bucket, like a, like, I don't know who's like a bucket getter, like a, even like a cam Thomas from the Brooklyn Nets, a guy who hits difficult shots, Terrence Ross, who's now on the suns, like a guy who hits difficult shots would theoretically really be really good at this. Like I could totally see them just getting butt cheeks. Like it's a different kind of butt cheeks than it is. <clears throat> no, I know. think I think it is. But if you make it a yearly event, it is something that these these guys practice trick shots all the time, right? Yeah. And then they want to get into the event because oh, it's just like the dunk contest. I have the Mac McClung said I have two dunks that I've never seen anybody do, even though I think one of those dunks someone had done before. Um, and you'd have the same thing in in this horse game. You'd be like, okay. Uh, you know, bounce it off of this and into this and fade away 35 foot or whatever it is. Like you're creating shots for this contest and, you know, it's just more content. It's We got to stop giving them. I don't want to give them free ideas, though. They need to hire <laughs> us. They need to hire us. Because I think they're I think the NBA as a marketing company is like kind of is. I don't think it's that. I don't think they're that good marketers. No, nah, they have to market worldwide as well. It's not like the NFL only to market in the U.S. But yeah, I mean, you know, I new ideas are risky, right? Because they could fail. Like yeah. that, that's why the the three point shootout is the most consistently good one because you don't have to do anything creative. You just have to shoot, and yeah, it's it's true. You, there's rarely a bad three point shootout. It's usually always good. And they even added things. They added things like when I was younger, they never had the money rack. You just had a money ball at the end of uh, yeah, every one. And then this new, like the the deeper shot, like that was never a part of it when mm-hmm. I was growing up. Either. So they're evolving with the game. They've evolved a little bit, but that is a, a consistent thing. And But know, it's, you, it's 98% LeBron's fault of why this entire weekend is not as fun as it should be. The best player of our gener- of my generation, the second best player of all time, thinks he's you know doesn't want to participate because he doesn't want to like be embarrassed or like thinks he's too cool for it and then everybody who idolizes him follows suit john morant literally already said he's never doing the dunk contest ever it's like dude who are you like you uh that's just he would, me i mean off. he would he would just win because of his gamesmanship even if the dunks weren't as good as some of the other guys exactly but i i mean i do kind of feel for them though because like the embarrassment and shame like like did you like the jericho's did you watch the dunk contest mm-hmm like Jericho Sims, like shout out to Jericho Sims, but him doing the same dunk two times in a row is almost like, dude, I kind of feel like embarrassed for you. Like you think this is cool and this isn't cool. You know, it's not, I don't know, but did, I mean, it who, was, a, it was amazing, but he needed like somebody to, to tell him like, okay, yeah, like as you need- somebody who has watched the dunk contest, every single one of them, you need to, here's how you need to start. And here's where you need to save your best dunk. And, and he was just like, ah, I know, too, that, you know, I haven't really seen people do before. So that's what I'm going to do. 
but he also didn't really have any charisma. He didn't believe in himself. Either. Yeah. I mean, and again, shout out to him because Shaden Sharp, who would have been awesome in this dunk contest, drops out embarrassment shame like no you don't need to focus on the second half of the yeah. season you, you guys can focus close. on like, the, the second half are... and do the dunk contest at the exactly same time. Uh, and then jericho sims just kind of jumps in I, I definitely you know shout out to him but uh i think one thing i would change though and i'm giving out a free opinion here is you you leave an empty seat for the judges and it's a fan seat mm. so we get to vote on social media for each dunk and give them a rating and that's just like you know, what is it? To, is, does every judge get to judge from 50 or is it to five? Well, they used to, to do it. It used to do one through 10. And then now it's every judge gets, gets 50. to 50 mm-hmm. and then it, they just average it out. So, yeah, we just. How, we okay, just but, okay. To... but how do you how do you govern the people who could, are just trying to goof with it? You can't. You just hope that there's outliers. There's people trying to goof with it on the high end. There's people trying to goof with it on the low end. And really, the middle is what matters. You just hope that the outliers just cancel each other out. Yeah, because there's, I think there's a thing, there's something you can do there where, you know, maybe, maybe it's a fan or a celebrity or somebody who's knowledgeable about it, who understands how it works. But I don't, the social thing is so weird because you have so many bad faith people on social media that they, I know. they, they would just try to ruin it. <laughs> I'd like, probably try to ruin it if like someone I didn't if a player I didn't like was, you know, getting good dunks. I'd be like, yeah, if Mac McClung, I probably would have brought it lower. I don't like <laughs> Mac McClung. <laughs> but uh oh man, I had one more thing. Sorry, you go and I'll see if I remember. Well I was gonna say I really liked uh I really liked Trey. I thought Trey was really good. Oh can I can I jump in? Yeah. So Jericho, I think there also needs to be like a fail safe because I, someone correct me if I'm wrong or like you go rewatch it. But I think Jericho Sims beat Trey Murphy to progress to the second round. I think if you add up the scores, he beat Trey Murphy to progress to the second round when Trey Murphy had clearly the better two dunks of the first round. Uh, do you agree? Like, uh, do you I don't. Remember? Yeah, I, I thought I thought Trey should Trey advanced, Murphy, but I, clearly, I didn't re- I didn't look at the math. Clearly, yeah, Jericho Sims won to progress to the second round. But what happened is he hurt himself on the second dunk. Oh, and so uh, he hurt like his wrist or his arm or, or something because he had to honey dip and grab the damn paper. Yeah. <laughs> but there should be a fail safe. I'm like, hey, like the judges got it wrong. Like if he didn't get hurt, were we really about to see Jericho Sims versus Mac McClung in the final? I'm wondering if something either he did get hurt and the NBA or like Adam Silver or someone of power was like, yo, guys, <laughs> like. Trey Murphy heck, has to progress like to make this entertaining because yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if you do the math, Jericho Sims did not progress or he did progress. He just didn't actually go. Wait, who's the fourth person in that contest? I thought he, I, he was my winner. I picked, I think he could have won Kenyon Martin jr. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah KJ. The Houston Rockets guys just depend on other people to lob them. Like if you remember last year, uh, Josh Christopher and, and Jalen Green could not do the NFT dunk. Do you remember that when he had it around his neck and like they just could not like pull it off? Kenny Martin Jr., same thing. He brings out a teammate in uh, Jay Sean Tate and he couldn't get the dunk to like the third try. It's like, don't rely on guys. Like, just do it yourself. Well, and then he, then brought, he brought his, his dad out. For the next one. Yeah, I, I think he I agree was, with you. I think, you know, I think, I think he could have he could have potentially, you know, been in the finals. Like just looking at like the way he was able to leap and how he's able to contort his body in the air. Like he was perfect pick. He just. I think had a bad idea. Yeah, I think they should outlaw people throwing lobs. You should yeah. have to throw self lobs. Um, I don't know about jumping over people anymore, or that can still be cool. Uh, no, that was one of Mac McClung's. Like that was like him jumping over 
two people and then hitting the ball on the backboard. See, but and then the thing is, it. is you you had to. I didn't even notice he hit the backboard on the first. But try. that's what I think is the really good ones is when you see a dunk and you're like, oh my god, that was crazy. And then you watch it in slow motion, and there was another factor that you missed that makes it even more crazy. To me, that's like an all timer. Yeah, that, I mean that's good for the replays. But when you get judged, I wonder if every single judge saw that he hit the backboard. True, true. I mean he got a fifty, but yeah, I could yeah. see that even with the Trey Murphy dunk, like he lobbed it to himself. And while it was still coming down, like the ball didn't hit the ground yet. While it was still coming down, he that's jumped he up jumped. And, yeah. and did the dunk. Like, that's insane. Yep. And I don't think the judges saw that or yep. they realized that. They, yeah, I don't, they realized it. What about Kenny? Kenny Smith is on the broadcast, is doing the announcing, and judges at the same time. <laughs> Get an inside view. Yeah, I think so. Because... Because he's like the spokesman for the dunk contest. And he's also done very well in the dunk contest from back in the day, back in the day. So have like, and then being able Kenny to. Kenny Smith? Like, yeah. I didn't realize that he was like a really good leaper. Yeah. He was? He, he, his, his signature dunk was he had his back to the basket, threw the ball between his legs, ball bounces off the top of the backboard. He comes in and reverse dunks it. That was his, that was his uh, dunk. But what, what, because what he can also do is he could go, Lisa, are you really going to give that dunk a 49? Explain yourself, <laughs> right? Like, and, and she, he's got the mic right there. Lisa, what, what, what was missing here? You make these judges accountable because Carl Malone was the, he was the lowest rater out of everybody. I'm like, dude, you did one dunk your entire life, which was you dunked it and then you put your hand behind the back of your head. That's all you did. Well, what do you think about, I see, I had an issue, like, initially, like, Jamal Crawford is a judge, and he's maybe dunked five times in his career, right? But, like, or, you know, he just wasn't, like, an actual dunker. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the entire analysts are all guys who've never touched a basketball, and yet we give, we judge NBA players, so it's like... I guess technically, you know, non-dunkers could judge dunkers because we well, are not. But also, he's he's a you know he's a great like playground style player, so he's yeah. he understands. He'd be perfect at the horse thing, but they need to get yeah. butt cheeks. Yeah, he probably would. Uh, all right, this quickly. Let's. I just want to look a little bit uh, at the uh, this week in Warriors basketball. They have the Lakers on Thursday. I, th- I believe that is in L.A. So they come back immediately. TNT game against LeBron and against A.D. New look Lakers. New look Lakers. Rui. Um, you know, you know who, who is uh, more, way more impressive than, like to me, uh, Vanderbilt. I thought Vanderbilt looked He's just awesome. better Kaminga. He, he looked awesome. And... Uh, the Reeves, the Reeves kid is not bad. Dude, I, I, yeah, I like Austin Reeves. You know, they were like, I don't know if this is true or not, but they were unwilling to like involve Reeves and like Max Christie in that Russell Westbrook trade for Kyrie. I guess that's what stalled it. Huh. I don't know how much I buy that, but like, I really, I see what they see in both of those young players. You need shooters and they, you can't give up a shooter. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, so they play Lakers. <clears throat> then they uh, come back to the Bay Area to face the Rockets on Friday. Then they got the Timberwolves on Sunday at home. Ooh, that that might be a game for you. To I go got to see if yeah, friend of the pod John Krasinski is coming to town. Yeah, that might, that might be a fun one for uh, for you to do. 
because that that's a uh, four thirty, so it's it's early Sunday Sunday uh, four thirty. Um, I I feel like predicting what the Warriors are going to do has been a, kind of a, a joke of an experience because they're so inconsistent. I'm telling you, man, you can't predict op- optimism until they prove it. You but have to be pessimistic. And- theoretically, if you look at their record, usually when they're home, they win. Usually when they're on the road, they lose. So they should go two and one this week. We'll see. And then there'll be one game over 500. But I think it, it really, to me, it's all about keeping things even before Steph comes back. So Lakers, Rockets, T-Wolves, and then let's say Steph's not back next week. Blazers, Clippers, Pelicans, it's a little bit harder. Um, I mean, the Pelicans are dropping. We'll see if Zion's back, but the Blazers are also like, what, they they, they split the season series with them so far? Uh, no GP2 now for the Blazers. You know, uh, I think it's definitely a winnable game. They, like, theoretically, they should go in the next two weeks four and two but you know i don't want to predict optimism until you know what they're going to go 500 three and three that's just who they are Uh, all right that's it from here uh hope everyone had a fun monday for those of you who had the day off i hope most of you had the day off but uh, we'll be back sometime possibly later in the week depending on how these games go or if there's any news that comes out uh but we'll be back soon enough for Bry, actually, you know what? I didn't even ask you. The Bam. Oh, uh, we had on Giants beat reporter, Giants beat writer Stephen Risotto, uh from SF Bay. He he had a really good conversation with our baseball guys on the Giants. Uh, and then we for the basketball podcast we did the buyout market and predicting the buyout market, and then we also talked a little bit about all star stuff. So that's cool. all on Bam. All right, so that's it from here. For Bri, I'm Double G. See you when we see you. Peace.